what are you going to do? You know, we're making we're making the best of it. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. What would you say for people that haven't? A lot of our viewers probably don't really know what IBMA is and haven't been. What would you tell them? What what it's all about? And well, it's a it's a it's a music convention uh, where uh, I, I doubt there's any music convention where there are as many pickers and as much jamming as goes on at uh, at, at IBMA. Um, that's what I think about when I think of IBMA. Yeah. Um, you know, making we made a lot of connections there over the years. Um, we've done showcases as a band. We've, we've gone to seminars, you know, um, learned a lot, met a lot of people who helped us along the way. And, and, uh, you know, I think about the first time we ever played at IBMA was in Owensboro in, uh, uh-huh. I think it was in, it was in 95. And, uh, we were a showcase band. And when we applied to showcase, we, we were sent a letter that we hadn't made the cut. And so we were a little disappointed, you know, uh-huh. and then we, somebody backed out and we were like the 25th band. We we're the last band. First band to play and knees knocking, you know, just green rookies really. And, uh, but we went over really well and we ended up getting a, a record deal out of that performance. And, we started playing not just in the Northeast, but we started getting bookings all over the country oh, as wow. of that performance. And that's kind of what you dream about as a young band. You know, you hope those opportunities will present themselves and that, and that you can deliver when it's your turn. And, and somehow we did. It was just, I have some magical memories of, of those early years, especially. Um, but even, even, you know, in recent years, I've had some really good times. Um, but uh, something about when you're young, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's amazing not just having you know, everybody, all, you know, most of all of your, you know, bluegrass heroes, you know, all in one place and playing and, you know, and you can, uh, you know, you can, you can meet with them a lot of the time and, and, uh, and then seeing all these up and coming bands coming up that it can really mind blowing, you know, in the, in the showcases. It's so it's so exciting, you know. Like you say, I I met so many heroes um, by uh, you know going to IBMA in, mm-hmm. in earlier years. You know, Earl Scruggs would be there, you know, right, you know, right. Mac Wiseman, or you know, just you name it. And uh, we, we were so starry eyed, you know. But I also remember I remember playing a, a bluegrass karaoke show with this this young kid on the mandolin. You know, I was in my late twenties at the time, mid to late twenties, and this this young kid named Chris Thiele or something. <laughs> he, he was, was like 12 or 13 or he something. He was a mandolin player. It, my gosh, I listened to that kid. I mean, I, I was not that aware of him until that we jammed with him, you know, right. we, we did that little show with him and he just. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's always, there's always amazing young talent coming up that that's, you know, it's great to see carrying on the tradition, carrying on the music. How did you get started playing um, playing the banjo and getting into bluegrass? Um, you know, I, I live in uh, northern New York, New York State, and um, there's there was an awareness of bluegrass up here. People, 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 uh, you know, we could hear it on there was a radio show on Saturdays that we could hear, and um, but there weren't a ton of bands up here. Um, but my dad liked all kinds of different music and bluegrass was one of the kind of music that he liked and mom liked it. So I heard it around the house 
and uh, there's a, a gentleman giving banjo lessons at a, a local music store, Dick's Country Store. Um, and uh, Eric O'Hara was giving lessons on just about anything with strings. And we had a banjo at the house and we had a guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I chose to try banjo and Lee, Lee chose guitar. And we started taking lessons when we were 12 and 11. And he got us, uh, he got us hooked, you know. Um, I think what really hooked me was hearing, he gave me a, a tape of uh, Flat and Scruggs at Carnegie Hall. Oh, and, yeah. You know, not just the music, but the 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 roaring applause of that audience. Would, right. Still right. Does. I listen to that record, it still, it still gives me chills. Right, you they're know, like rock stars in that album, you know. How excited that audience was, especially when, you know, when Earl played Flannel Special, you know, and, right. and where they're, they're screaming for more and the band just kicks in and does, it, does another round of Flannel Special because the audience is screaming for it. And God, I miss that now. I yeah. mean, not that I, I don't know if we've ever had that kind of applause. <laughs> and, and any musician who says that he or she doesn't, Miss the applause would be lying, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's an energy you definitely we, feel. We miss, we miss that. But that, yeah, so that, you... that album, that album's what really hooked me on banjo and wanting to try to learn, and and we just kept going from there. You know, Lee and I were progressing, and we were only 11 months apart, but we were right. listening to, to Flat and Scrubs and Seldom Sane and Tony Rice and Ricky Skaggs and mm-hmm. all, all those people that we're so thankful for still today. Was because you know how are you finding all these recordings? Because because was there a radio station that had this on, or was there a uh, good radio? We, a we did have store? a radio station. Our station uh, playing a, a bluegrass show on Saturdays. But we we dad would listen to that, and uh, but we'd hear it a little bit on Hee Haw or on mm-hmm. Austin City Limits. Um, there was a we lived so close to Canada. We used to hear see this show. Uh, called the Tommy Hunter show. And he'd have, he'd have people like the Osmond brothers or the seldom seen on. So we'd see bluegrass that way. Um, but as far as recordings, there was a record shop in Plattsburgh, New York mm-hmm. uh, called Peacock records. And uh, then it became Peacock music when CDs and came out. And stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but we used to buy bluegrass records there. Um, and there was a gentleman in Montreal named Bob Fuller who had an amazing record collection. Mm-hmm. He heard about these two young guys across the border who were dipping their toes into bluegrass. And he showed up at our farm. We grew up on a dairy farm. He showed up at our farm with a, a sack of cassettes that he had made from his record collection. It was Flat and Scruggs, Bill Monroe, the Stanley Brothers, uh, Jim and Jesse, wow. uh, Reno and Smiley, uh, Mac Wiseman, Red Allen, you know, all, all these all these all these great first generation artists and that's what lee and i dug into in our teens our early teens and wow. fell in love with and we fell in love with with new grass too you know we, mm-hmm. we like we love love the new grass revival and and you know some of the more contemporary bands at the time right. you know like, like the some scene and um if it had banjo in it and fiddle and mandolin we loved it <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, we, we really uh and i still I still listen to a lot of that stuff. I've been, right. I've been, I've been on a seldom seen kick lately, just listening uh, to um, to some of those early records and they're good records. They, yeah. they still, they still make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And how, when did you and your brother start playing uh, performing? 
Um, we started playing in church first, I think. I think that was the first place that we ever, and we wouldn't sing. We just, <laughs> we are too scared to sing, you know. Uh, but we would work up instrumentals on band uh-huh. and guitar, and I'm sure they were awful, you know. But, <laughs> but the audience Somebody's going to dig up a video. Photo. Nice to each other, you know. So <laughs> they're, they're nice to us. They, they put up with us. But then we started going to fiddle contests, and um, we we would jam. We'd, mm-hmm. we'd start jamming with other uh, acoustic pickers and uh, on the New York side and on the Quebec side, too. There were a lot of fiddle contests back then. And so we'd start, we started doing that. And then by the time we were, I don't maybe 15 and 16, maybe around there, I think we started playing a festival here or there. I think the first bluegrass festival we played was in um, was in Waddington, New York, and Bill Monroe was there. And that was in okay. 88. That was the first like weekend long. I think we played a couple one-day festivals. I know one in Long Lake, New York, but uh-huh. we're talking mid to late 80s that started happening. And did you get to meet Bill Monroe at that festival? Yes, I did. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, I mean, I have a picture of it. And, uh, man, we we looked like uh, the farm boys that we were. And then nothing wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think I was wearing a steel chainsaw hat. I think that's what I was wearing. <laughs> but we bought one we bought his southern flavor southern flavor album and he signed uh-huh. it for us so that's the only time i ever was anywhere near him but i'm i'm really glad i got to meet him that must have infused some energy in both of you to keep pushing and, and practicing and oh gosh yeah you're just thinking man i'm i'm breathing the same air right mm-hmm. now father of bluegrass music and <laughs> it's pretty amazing yeah uh, that was a good feeling and meeting earl scruggs that my heart just about leaped out of my chest when I met him. I didn't even know I, it was the most, it was the most awestruck I've ever been around a human being. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, and I just acted, I think I, I think I made him nervous. You know, I, he was in the lobby. I think it was, it was at IBM in Louisville. And um, I just charged up to him like a big galoot, you know, and I want to do something. I've, I've, I'm going to do something. I want to do my entire life. I said to him, and he, he takes a step away from me. You're going to stab me. Louis <laughs> uh, Scruggs took a step forward, you know, and, and uh, I said, no, I just want to shake your hand. And I, I, came out <laughs> I got to shake his hand anyway. That's terrific. <laughs> um, what were some of those, other festivals that you played as you started playing around the New York and New England area? Where, where well, uh, we played one in, in Governor and um, Governor, New York, uh-huh. um, a few hours from here. Uh, and uh, we, uh, then we started playing in New England. You know, we, mm-hmm. we got a, we got a booking at a uh, place called the Weston theater in, in Weston, Vermont. Mm-hmm. And it was, all kinds of different bluegrass fans would come to these shows that this gentleman named Fernand Parker put on. Uh And uh, after we started playing there, uh, New England festival started opening up to us, you know, Blistered Fingers Festival up in Maine and Thomas Point Beach and um, the Joe Val Bluegrass Festival. These are all great festivals, you know? Yeah. And then we've always kind of had a, a strong footing in, in Vermont because of, because of that. And the Jenny, Brook, the Jenny Brook bluegrass festival, we played every year except for the first one that they had. And that's, a, that's a great festival. So, I mean, and Gray Fox, we, yeah. which we first started playing it, it was uh, Winterhawk. 
but okay. it's been great Fox for a long time now. Yeah. And so uh, some of our Southern friends are, uh, uh, are so surprised uh, when, you know, when they, when they come up North and they see how much bluegrass is really in the Northeast, you know, right. they're back, you know, by, by how strong it is. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of that. Yeah. I grew up in Massachusetts as a, in high school. So, you know, I got to experience a little bit of it. Um, not as much as I lot wanted because most of my friends weren't into bluegrass. <laughs> so I was, I, was, I was going by myself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, it, it is a, there is a good community up there, you know. It is. And I'm missing, I'm missing that community. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm, what do you miss most about, you know, being during, during quarantine and everything? What are, what are some of the, what are some of the things? Well, you miss? I mean, we've, we've been able to do, three shows as a trio with my brother Lee and with um, Mike Barber, our longtime bass player uh-huh. of 27 years now. Wow. Uh, we've been, we've done three shows and each time we get together, we ha- we have all these plans of, well, we better, we better film some content for Facebook or for mm-hmm. page. We better, we better, you know, keep in people's minds. We get together and all we do is talk. Visit. <laughs> we miss one another. You right. know, that's what I miss. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I miss. Um, I mean, you I miss, two, y'all would spend a lot of time together on the road. <laughs> yeah, and I, I miss, I miss uh, standing on stage on a good night where the where the sound is really good and the crowd's into it. I miss the, I miss that, and uh, yeah. I do not miss the van rides. <laughs> I, don't, I don't miss the travel at all. Right. You know? But I miss the music and I I miss the people. You know, we yeah. met we've met a lot of great people over the years that I never would have met otherwise. And uh, definitely. So, you know, that's, I mean, that's one thing about the bluegrass community. It is such a warm community and such a, you know, uh, you know, you can, you can approach approachable community that all across, you know, no matter where you go, it it has the same sort of, same sort of, you know, energy and vibe. So it's, it's, it's nice. Yeah, it does, you know, and uh, I can't wait till it can happen again, hopefully. Yeah, it will. It will. We're getting closer. <laughs> Have you been able to use the time for any, for you know, for uh, any creative output at all? Um, you know. Yeah, I, I've, been, I've been writing. I've uh, okay. I've been writing quite a bit, starting last fall. I mean, leading up to the to when things all kind of came to right. a close. I I felt like I was in kind of a creative phase, writing wise, and um, right. And then uh, it, it can, it's continued. I've been writing with uh, some different people over, um, you know, using FaceTime. And I'm thinking, why didn't we do this before? You know, why didn't I, you know, we always thought, well, if you're going to co-write with somebody, you better get in the car and, and drive to Nashville or fly to Nashville. Or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I don't have to. Yeah. You know, I, so I've been, I've written quite a few songs. I haven't committed one of those songs, though, to memory. <laughs> stage to play on you know what i mean yeah, I, you're playing them yeah I, I, the other day i was listening to the phone on the way on the way to maine where we played and uh, and i was listening to some of the things I'm like, well, this is a pretty good song why why haven't i learned this yet you know mm-hmm. but there hasn't been the uh there hasn't been a deadline you know there hasn't mm-hmm. been yeah well, this shows, you better get these songs ready for that and just well i'll write it and then i'll write another one then i'll write another one and and some of them are good. You write enough, you write enough songs, you're bound to find a good one once in a while. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah. In that way I've, I've been, I've been creative. 
what's your songwriting process kind of like? Do you, because you, you're, you're writing songs, not instrumentals, correct? Yeah, I, I've, I've written very few instrumentals through the years. I, I like lyrics. I like yeah. instrumental. I mean, I, I love, I love a good instrumental. I'm just not good at writing one, you know, but right. um, as far as my process, I've learned that I don't like to go into uh, that. You know, first of all, I write more songs on my own than I do with other people that I, I write more just, you know, I co-write some of the time, but I write more songs on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I co-write, I don't, I've learned that I don't like to go in with too much of an expectation of what the song's going to be. I'd rather just visit for a while. Talk, talk to your co-writer for a while. And inevitably something, some, one of us will say something like, Oh, that might, that might be a path we can explore. And we might go down that road for a little ways. And if it doesn't work, we will talk a little more. And then, Mm -hmm. and I'm forever, you know, jotting things down or, 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 putting them in my notes now on the phone, you know, like mm-hmm. lines or title right, yeah. ideas or theme ideas. And, and if we get in a pinch, I'll say, well, I, I had this idea the other day, but I don't like to, I've learned that if you, if you start a song and you bring, uh, for me, it, 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 maybe I'm selfish. I don't want it. They change the songs change too much. Uh-huh. If they get too far away from the original idea, you feel like you've lost something. And I, I seldom will look, I, I've, I feel like I've, I've lost some good songs that way mm. by, uh, I don't know if that's making any sense, but, but it, but it, but it has happened. So I'd rather just yeah. have a conversation and see where it goes. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you, you're starting with, with the lyric all the time, not with the, with the music, music, musical not part. Of the time. Once in a while, I'll have, sometimes I'll have a melody in mind or the person I'm writing with will have a kind of a working melody that, you know, it can change a little bit, but, uh, uh-huh. It depends, but I guess, I guess in the last few months I started, we, we just started with a conversation with no melody in mind and then right. melody starts showing itself and, right. and that, that can evolve too. You know, so I don't t- I put too much pressure on, you know, we get, I get done a writing session and think this song has to be exactly like this forever. No, it doesn't. We can live with it for a while, you know, try a different line here until it's time to record. You right. Know, Somebody wants to record it beside besides us. Um, changes can be made. Yeah, let it breathe a little bit. Let it grow on its own. Let it decide what it's going to be. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and sometimes sometimes it, it's it's good to uh, have, live with a song for a while because you know instead of just and we have done that we've gone right in and and, rec- and recorded right after we've written a song but then then that song becomes a different beast on stage and you think sometimes well i wish i would have recorded it this way right 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 <laughs> then you have to do the live album <laughs> yeah but they're all you know i guess songs, it, it's just a snapshot of where you are at that moment anyway you know exactly it, it's no a reason you can't play it a little differently than you wrote it down the line and, and when do you, you know when do you, do you use the banjo when you're kind of bringing a melody into it or do you use a guitar or I, I most often use the guitar once in a while uh-huh. I'll, I'll write using the banjo, but um, it's almost always on guitar. I don't know why. Just Maybe the, the low end helps you hear where. You... Well, I think, I think sometimes uh, it's just, it's a more full sound underneath your voice. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just more of a lush. I don't know. Just, that's just the way I've always, I've always written on a guitar. Yeah. 
I've written a few songs over the years on the banjo, but 99% of the time it's the guitar. So how'd you, you know, your last, your most recent album, uh, Mockingbird, right? That's your most recent, correct? Yeah. It was a kind of a departure from your bluegrass, um, you know, uh, your your bluegrass sound, which, and it's a, it's a great album, you know, really enjoyed it, but what made you kind of go down this different path? I mean, originally Lee and I had a bunch of songs that we were thinking maybe didn't fit our bluegrass band, Mm -hmm. but we still wanted to record them. Yeah. And and maybe we were a little bit restless too. You know, we've been doing the same thing for a long time. Right. And so I, we just, I just, why don't we, why don't we call, uh, reach out to our buddy Ferg, Dave Ferguson in Nashville, who we know for a long time. And over the years, he'd always say, why don't you, why don't you guys cut a record with me? He had his own studio and, and he'd done some really cool things through the years. He, he worked on all those uh, Rick Rubin produced Johnny Cash albums and, and right. the latter part of, Johnny's life and he'd done a lot of great things. Work with you too as well, correct? Yeah, he had. He had. And he had uh also um worked with uh Sturgill Simpson and Tyler Chelly oh, yeah. on my radar and wow. Lee's radar. Oh, those are some cool sounds. And yeah. So we reached out to him and uh we thought, let's just get together and record some stuff, see what it sounds like. But it's not work, let's not worry, is it a bluegrass song? Is it a country song? Is it a whatever, mm-hmm. whatever kind of song? Let's just get together and see what happens. And he said, yeah, I want to do that. And then four, <laughs> four days later, we get a call from our manager, um, Dan Arbach of the Black Keys is friends with uh, with Ferg, and he he wants to write with you. And he'd like to get together and write and record some stuff. So the songs that we were thinking about <laughs> going in and doing with Ferg, we ended up not doing. We ended up writing a whole batch of new songs. And and we recorded it, and it's cool. It's different. It's different yeah. than I would have come up with or Lee would have come up with on our own. And, uh, but it felt good to stretch out for us, you know, and some of our bluegrass friends thought we were nuts, you know, like, <laughs> what are you doing? But, you know, I love what Jerry Douglas said, Jerry, we saw Jerry at um, Merle Fest of that year. And, mm-hmm. and he said, he said, I'm proud of you guys. He said, I know myself, I, if I had done the same thing my whole life, I would have gone crazy. Mm-hmm. So it was fun for us to do it. And incidentally, um, we recorded six bluegrass songs with Jerry Douglas back in March before everything closed down. We were working on an album with Jerry and uh, we're supposed to get together with him hopefully this fall and finish it. But, uh, but anyway, that's, uh, yeah, I'm I'm proud of the record. It's different than anything else that we've done. It's great to keep your, your, you know, your creativity flowing and not just box yourself in and stifle yourself. Uh, right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like you look at a guy like Jerry, Jerry goes out and he can play anything. Oh my God. He's, mm-hmm. he's insanely good. And yeah. but his heart's in bluegrass. He always comes back to blue. anybody <laughs> who ever played bluegrass, just because you go off and try something else doesn't mean you don't still love bluegrass with all your right. heart. It's like right. you're abandoning your wife or something. You know, it's like you're going out and you're, 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 you're uh, exploring another, right. area of your musicality, you know, and there's, right nothing wrong with that and and I, I think we should do that you know i think it's, yeah. it's good to try new things but, but uh but i'll i'll always love bluegrass i'll yeah. always love it and you know so, so you're the second uh artist we've had on during live that worked with dan arbach valerie june we had on before and she 
did an album with him. But uh, how was it working with with him, and what did he bring oh, into the you know the, the the project that you know you wouldn't have you, you know would going uh, going on your on your own kind of thing. The guy just he has so much energy, you mm-hmm. know, and and uh, and 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 such a love for music. I you know I thought that guy's been at the top of the mountain, and he still seems just as excited about music as as one of us just. As, as I remember feeling when I first got into music, yeah. mm-hmm. he just, he, he just feel, it just felt like he was on fire for what we were doing. And, um, his energy was, you know, it, it was easy to, it was easy to get in that, on that, on that, in that same, uh, mode as he was right. in. He was, right. it was infectious, trying to say. And, uh, it re- really yeah and i mean it's funny you just be you'd be playing something you'd play a little lick on the guitar and he'd laugh like man i love it. and it and we, and it would it, it would encourage you you know and, yeah. and um, he just loves all kinds of music and and he's a student of uh-huh. music he wants to know who, who played on what record and mm-hmm. who wrote the song and just like he has a beautiful record collection and we'd start each day listening to old records and it would inspire us to write in a certain mm-hmm. direction and so I, it was just it was one of the best experiences in my life getting to work with that guy. And, uh, and, um, uh, I'm glad we got, we had a chance to do it. And they, did he bring in some session musicians too? Oh yeah. Yeah, he sure did. Um, he, he brought in, uh, Gene Chrisman on the drums and Gene started out, you know, playing the playing with uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and, and Gene's been on Gene and, and Bobby Wood were, some of the Memphis boys who played on so many great albums, you know, that are, that uh-huh. we've all listened to through the yeah. years. And, uh, and Dave Rowe on the bass and uh, Michael Rojas on the, on the piano and Billy Sanford on the guitar who, who uh, came up with a pretty woman lick. <laughs> it was just, uh, we get there early just to talk to those guys, you know, mm-hmm. and pick their grades. And, and I think they liked it, that we knew, we knew their, we knew the history of the music, and we're, and we're interested in learning more. Right. I've read in one of your interviews, past interviews, that you think it's really important that you listen to lots of other music in, in order to keep growing as a musician. Um, is that right? Well, I know that I listen to a lot of different kinds of music. I, I mean, I, I hope, hopefully, it's helped me to grow. But, uh, <laughs> No, I, 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 I just, uh, you get ideas from, from other areas. You know, I might hear, I might hear a lick that a Telecaster player plays that, well, that would work on the banjo or, you know, um, but I, I've always, you know, early on in my career, I was very rigid. You know, if, mm-hmm. if one of the guys in the band put in the Almond Brothers or something like, I'd say, we're a bluegrass band. What are we listening right. to this for? Put on right. Flint Scruggs, which is great. It's great, mm-hmm. but. Over the years, I've become more open-minded and have listened to a lot of a lot of different. Things. I think that started happening in my early thirties. I started mm-hmm. open. Lee laughs yeah. at me. Lee said, "You skipped gym, you skipped rock and roll." As a, <laughs> as a guy in your twenties, you didn't want to listen to that stuff. <laughs> and and then I fell in love with with certain things, you know. Um, but where it's it's a process. I'm I I I uh, lately I've been listening. Like I said, I've been listening to stuff that grabbed me early on, and it, and it feels new again, you know. But mm-hmm. um, uh, my son um, is always 
has shown me a lot of different artists that I wouldn't have, have found otherwise, but I've also shown him some stuff and he's, he thinks Guy Clark is the greatest thing, you know, it's a sliced bread. He's all in the Guy Clark <laughs> right now. So it's almost like I'm listening to Guy Clark anew through his ears, you know, it's just, yeah. I just what an amazing writer he was. And, and you just wish that you could write a song, like a tenth as good as, as what he could write, you know? <laughs> Is there is there anybody that you've been listening to lately that's uh, that's that's been inspiring you? Guy, Guy Clark, yeah, <laughs> yeah, listen, yeah. I mean, I've always i've I've been into Guy Clark for at least twenty years, but just uh, lately, like like I said, I I got my son into him, and and uh, I'm I'm just it, it's astounding to me that one person can write that many great songs, yeah. right? And, uh, and Gordon Lightfoot's another one that right. I, I can't believe that one person can write that many, that many great songs. Uh, I guess if, if you write, if you live to be a ripe old age and you write five good ones a year, you're going to have a lot of good, a lot of good songs. Yeah. <laughs> but those guys are brilliant. They're, they're, they're next, next level writers, you know, and, and uh, but they inspire me. Yeah. You want to reach for that. You want to, scratch the surface of that at least at some point if you keep going and that's yeah that's what's been inspiring me mm -hmm. one going back to the banjo one thing uh yeah i do notice you know you 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 know you you're, you you sing a lot but you still continue to play the banjo while you're singing a lot of banjo players stop or play you know almost a very simple chuck you still have your roles going uh did you ever have trouble singing and, and playing your roles at the same time? I still do. I still do. But I, I remember early on saying that to my teacher, Eric O'Hara, who, who actually, when we play with our Mockingbird band, he plays steel guitar with us now. He's, uh -huh. he's, he's retired. Uh, he's retired and, and uh, it's come full circle. So we're working with the guy when we go out and do that kind of music. Uh, we're working with the guy that taught us how to play. Mm -hmm. and, but I remember saying to him early on, I said, you know, I watch, uh, you know, I want to be a singer, but I, but I play the banjo. Right. How do I do that? And he said, practice. You <laughs> knew saying that is making me think, you know, wonder if, you know, I, I need to get, I, I'm going to be rusty at that for a while if I don't get on that because during the pandemic, I haven't, I haven't been singing and playing banjo at the same time. So I'm going to really have to right. put myself into shape on that. It's not easy. And there are things, even when I'm doing it, when I'm at the top of my game with it, that, um, you know, if you're, if, if I want, if I want to go, I mess it up. You know, I, if I look, if, if I'm, I can't do a lick up the neck and look away from the microphone as I'm singing, you know, or uh -huh. so I, I pretty much will try to keep it simple right? and, and, and punch in little licks in between the spaces, mm -hmm. but I, I can't, um, I, there are things that I can't do that I like, I like it better when Lee's singing. And there, there's more than I can do. Maybe I do too much when he's singing. I don't know, but, mm -hmm. it, but it's not, it's not an easy, it's not easy. Is there anything you, um, cause we have a lot of, you know, people that, you know, that playing the banjo, that play the banjo that are watching any, any tips you could give them on, uh, yeah. On, on I, I would say to try to, at all times, whether you're, whether you're, um, singing or not, but, but, it, uh, try to keep it as solid as you can. And, um, I could give you like a little illustration. I hope I can still do it. I haven't been yeah, playing band love that. 
same time. But um, if I was singing a song like uh, I Wonder Where You Are Tonight, something let's see. You broke my heart, you never loved me. Oh, you often said you cared. Yeah, that's great. That's what I was trying to, trying to punch in little legs, right. trying to roll along as I'm singing. And kind of roll along over chord forms as you're singing mostly. Hopefully playing in time. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, but uh, but I'm rusty, and I right. when uh, I need to kick myself in the butt and play more banjo. <laughs> what do you have any uh, practice routines when you are trying to sharp keep your Banjo, you know, chops, chop, uh, nice and sharp. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I was I was talking to Gabe Hirschfeld and just telling him how rusty I was, and he he said, "Just play that forward roll; you'll knock the rust off." Kidding, <laughs> 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 but but um, working on basic rolls and just trying to play them in time with as much tone as you can, and mm-hmm. um, I'd say that's I I like to watch sports. Well, I have a banjo in my hand, much much to the chagrin of anybody else in the house, you know, <laughs> I can watch an entire football game and have the banjo with me the whole time. And I've always done that. Uh-huh. I used to my brother crazy, but I would watch, watch the Dallas Cowboys and, and play the entire time. And just having it in your hands, that muscle memory, you know, would you just practice? I'm right not, hand? I'm not, I'm not, what's that? Would you just practice your right hand mostly? Or would you no, practice? I'd, both? I'd, I'd practice left you know i yeah. play songs and mindlessly play right or you know play play licks in, in different um you know different di- different parts of the neck mm-hmm. um changing chords using the same roles and stuff and but i've always done that i i think that's another thing i've been doing during the pandemic the first few months of it i, I didn't touch my banjo I just so man, i was I, I didn't touch it and then I right. said, I need to play banjo. And I started, I, I have it in a stand where I walk by it a hundred times a day. And you walk by something a hundred times, you're going to, you're going to pick it up a few times. Right. Yeah. Your banjo's underneath your bed. You're not going to play it. Right. So, right. so I've been playing more lately is uh, I need to knock the rust off. That's a good tip right there is this, you know, have your instrument out and reachable. <laughs> You know. Yeah, and I, I've told you know, like sometimes people say, "Oh, I haven't played. I better, I better really jump on this and play it for three hours." Playing thirty minutes a day is 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 better than you know going four or five days and then trying to play catch up. You know, just having right. it in your hands, and that's a you know we're doing a lot of shows. We're doing 
a hundred shows or more a year for a long time. And we're, you get good having that in your hands all the time or, or you get better. Mm-hmm. You get more adept at what, at what you do. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been raising chickens and bees and cutting cedar and, you know, <laughs> doing that kind of stuff more during this time. But, uh, but, um, yeah. <laughs> so what's one, one, can you demonstrate one exercise for some people to, uh, to, to help maybe just that forward roll or just as something that you could show people to yeah, uh, or like, kind of um, that they're playing up. Uh, like lots of times I pick a banjo, I'll just, I'll just uh, do rolling. I've I, 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 uh, dug up an old Tony Krishka song, uh-huh. and this is totally brave. I'm probably going to crash and burn here live because <laughs> it's, it's a little beyond me, but I'm, I want to play it. Play it's it. all right. It's, um, am I going over time here? No, not at all. All right. It's called um, Strawberry, Strawberry Plains. Yeah. 
Fantastic. That was great. That was called Strawberry Plains. Yeah, I messed up. There's a cool part that was. I, I mean, I'm just approximating it. I got to, I, I just started working on that and uh, I used to listen to that a lot. He had an album called Hill Country. It's one of the best banjo albums ever. Yeah, that's a great album. Um, he's a great picker. He's one of the reasons that I got into Deering banjos. I was at, um, I was teaching at a uh, camp, uh, Elkins, Davis Elkins College uh, in West Virginia. In West Virginia. And uh, Tony was there and Terry Bauckham. And they both had um, Deering's. Mm-hmm. And I loved them. I loved the sound of them. And uh, I made up my mind that I was going to approach Janet Deering at IBMA that fall. <laughs> and we began a, a really nice association. Uh, we've been playing Deering's, I think, since 2011. That's all I've played. Nice. And you have a, you have a Ten Brooks legacy, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. It is. I love this. I, I recorded... Um, in the ground on this uh, on this banjo and no it was yeah in the ground and uh, I'm trying to think of the one before I can't even think uh, I, I did uh, they called the music on another during uh, Timbrex Legacy but but yeah this this is my favorite one I've I've been playing this one since I think 13 or 14. All right, and was there something that drew you to because the Timbrex has has. Um, the Saratoga Star is a maple neck banjo, and the Legacy is the mahogany. Did you always play mahogany neck banjos? Yes. Like uh, I, well, I, I I played mahogany since probably around ninety, around ninety nine. I was uh-huh. I was playing an RB three. I played a few different RB threes, and I just I I know for, for my playing, I thought they I, I thought there, there was more of a warmth to the mahogany. Uh huh. Or maybe some sometimes some of the uh, and and I'm not a I, I don't know as much about banjos as, as I should, but I, just to my ear, it felt like um, that mahogany suited me better, right. and especially for some of the ballads that we play and stuff. That's um, I felt like maple could be a little brighter, uh-huh. and I, um, and, I mean, am I, am I right about is that a banjo yeah. player? Today? Yeah, I'm maple I'm, maple's a harder, denser wood, and so make it brighter mahogany. Is, is less dense, so make it warmer and sweeter. Well, my brother, my brother is such a, a great ballad singer, and and I just you know, and I I feel like he does a song called Railroad Line, and and I I, I just think that it lends itself more to that warmer kind of. because uh, I don't have a real good setup as far as uh, a real high quality microphone. I'm just using my wife's computer. <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully, you know, hopefully I'm not hurting Deering by being on this podcast. Not at all. We're, we're happy to have you. It sounds great. Um, hey, hey I just want to jump in. Can you, you guys can hear me, right? Yeah, we can. All right. Thanks to everyone's patience earlier on, by the way. There's a, we're, we're using a new system, so... Um, we're, we're getting to learn that a little bit, but um, I, I, Eric, I know you've got a bit of a time crunch today. Do you have how much more time? Do you think you've got like five, ten minutes? Or 
Oh, sure. You good? Okay. Um, I'm going to jump in with a couple of questions because there's a couple, I mean, there's a lot of people in the chat right now. Are people out there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And they're they're, they're singing your praises. They miss you. They can't wait to get to see you again soon. Uh, A lot of people, you know, recollecting the last time they saw you play. It's, It's really, really cool to see. Couple of people asking, well, have you? Any of that? Will I be able to see any of that later? Because I, I miss them too. <laughs> well, there, there you go. There's a personal message for everybody. <laughs> we have had a couple of people asking, um, do you play Clawhammer at all? Not on purpose. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish I could. My, my friend Joe Newberry is a great Clawhammer banjo player. And he told me yeah, he. Joe, Joe's one of the guys who asked, actually. Yeah. Oh, is he really? Yeah, yeah. He's a tremendous claw hammer player, and uh, he told me someday he would get together and he he'd try to give me some tips because I I love the sound of it and and uh, I, I remember being at a festival and I can't remember who player it might have been one of the Gillis it, the Gillis brothers and he was playing like a, a Ralph Stanley you know three finger roll kind of thing and then he took his picks off and he started doing the claw hammer and that crowd went nuts and I always thought well I'd like to have that in my arsenal but <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. It's probably never, probably too late for me, but, but I, I, no, I don't. I Joe is a fine claw hammer player. Yeah, I'm sure he'd uh, be the, uh, more than qualified to teach you <laughs> a few things, but uh, yeah, he's, he's a fine, fine gentleman. Hi, Joe. I think the last time we saw Joe was at IBMA as well. So it's kind of, ah, oh, memories. <laughs> Dan Mazer, who's um, uh, one of our regulars as well. Uh, he says, I'm from the DC bluegrass world. The seldom seen is my favorite band. Please talk about Ben Eldridge, Eddie Agcock, and the DC sound. Do you have any comments oh, on that? I, I, I love Ben Eldridge. And I, uh, I listened to uh, my friend Katie Daly has a, has a uh, podcast with Howard Parker called Bluegrass Stories. And she, she interviewed uh, Ben quite a few years ago. And, and they finally um, broadcast that. And it just caused me to go back and start listening to the seldom scene more. And I, I love how solid his right hand was and how inventive he was. Um, and not just on the hard driving things that he would play, but, but, um, his backup on the slow song is just heartbreaking. You know, I, it just, I love his tone and, um, I, I don't think he gets talked about enough. You know, I, I, I just think Ben's one of the, one of the giants of banjo and and he's you know there aren't too many players you can say i know it's him or i know it's her as soon as i hear hear the hear hear them and ben's one of them i can tell ben right away i mean just you know he had his own touch yeah. thankful for him yeah everyone should go check him out i think so uh... oh yeah yeah, for sure. Very inventive. I mean, he 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 was he was. A, you could tell he he listened to the first generation people, but he uh, he was also tuned into some of the melodic chromatic stuff. He he kind of slipped some of that stuff into and uh, uh, just very tasty player. I mean, if if he only heard once, if you heard him play his solo on uh, Paradise uh, six eight time, you know, just, just driving kind of. I can't <laughs> I can't do it. I'm I but it, check that out if you haven't. Yeah, we will. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of people uh, in here. Just, just uh, Most of them, honestly, they're just talking about the last time they saw you and they can't wait to see you again. And it's so refreshing to see that because it's just well, a, a strange time. Good. Thank you for that. Thank yeah, you for I, IBMA is, is, you know, it's 
one of my personal favorite places, one of events to go through throughout the year. I know, I think David's probably the same. And, and as a company, we're there every year, you know, come rain or shine. Um, what do you like to spend your time doing when you're at the, at the event itself? Do you like to roam the, see everything or roam around the exhibition hall? Or what's, what's your, when I was young, when I, when I was in my 20s, I wanted to jam. I mean, I would stay up all night long, just jam, jam, jam. And, and, and I still, once in a while, I like to do that, but I like to visit. You know, that, to me, to me, IBMA was always like a, a homecoming. You know, you'd, you'd see people that and you knew it was probably going to be the last time you're going to, maybe you hadn't seen them since the year before, or maybe sure. you'd seen them along the festival trail and you knew festival season was winding down and you weren't going to see them again for quite a while. And yeah. it just, uh, and you'd see people from all over the world. You know, and, uh, yeah. I, I guess I guess just the what we talked about before the the camaraderie of it is what mm-hmm. uh, what I enjoyed about it the most. Yeah, and I like hearing hearing, you know, probably my favorite thing about IBMA was the the, the luncheon. You know, um, um, when they when they gave out the um, the distinguished achievement awards, I I would be reduced to a puddle every year. You know, <laughs> somebody was being recognized who maybe people hadn't thought about too much in a while and yeah. and then they have a moment to shine like that and you hear them reminiscing and it would just tear me up every year i would be i, I cried i'd sit i'd sit there at my try not hope nobody's looking at me and just <laughs> you know when you just when you saw someone who'd given their life to the music and they were getting their moment you know mm-hmm. yeah. uh, i that was the highlight for me for I would think one of the highlights. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good one. It's um, yeah, it, it's such an amazing community, uh, you know. So we we want to we want to support them in any way we can. And um, for those of you that are, are tuning in today, you can still sign on and enjoy the rest of the virtual uh, World of Bluegrass Week with IBM May. Um, I believe an element of it is free, and then you can pay for the more ex- expanded conference version. And, you know, Deering are there, and uh, Eric, are you doing any more stuff over the week or uh, with them? I think this is it for me. Uh, oh, man. Well, we're, we're honored and privileged. Um, thank you for having me. <laughs> we've, got, we've got some requests to hear a little more music. So um, I think, because I know, again, I know you're up against a, a time crunch here. So um, do you want to share any final words of wisdom with us before we sign out? Wisdom in terms of um, banjo, or um, you know what, anything. Life. Right now, we all need a little something. <laughs> life in general. <laughs> well, if banjo is what makes you happy, play that banjo. You know, and and I think I think we need to be. You know, I I don't know what to say. I mean, I think we're all feel like we're in a in a whirlwind right now, don't we? I just kind of yeah. feel, you know, and and I feel like I've been leaning on. We all lean on things to get through. You know, I. I raised chickens this uh, this yeah. year for the first time, and, and um, uh, I can't believe the joy that that's brought me. You know, it's such a simple little thing, and uh, we've been my wife and I've been raising uh, honeybees also, and that's been yeah. fascinating. Yeah. And I uh, the other day we we harvested honey and hopefully left them enough. We didn't want to take too much because we wanted to make it through the winter. Um, but it was just, you know, you're thinking they worked all year long to get to this point, and here I am taking their, taking their honey, and yeah. so it's a little, it was a little weird. <laughs> um, 
and I don't mean to ramble, but I'm just thinking, saying those are simple little things that kind of, um, they were good for me. Yep. During, during yep. This, um, you, you know, my wife and I have chickens here. as well. And, uh, Do you really? Yeah, and it's, I know exactly what you're talking about. We, we only have six because we were in California. We don't have much space, but it's, um, it's, it's rad. Like, yeah, they just provide and they just do their thing and it's simple and it's wonderful. It's, it's really, really uh, enlightening. Yeah, so I completely understand it, what you're saying. It is, and, and, and I, feel, I feel like uh, I, I talk about them too much as if something's wrong with me. <laughs> but, but you start with something that's so little and, and you just watch them, you know, watch them grow and, and, and I'm rambling about chickens. That's what I've been reduced to, folks. Have you, um, have you written a song for your chickens yet? Not that I, I mean, I sing to them, but they're silly little songs. <laughs> you but, uh, down there no, but I, I mean, yeah. I, I think just simple things, you know, and and uh, have have helped me to get through this whole thing. Not that we're through it yet, but um, but uh, it's, yep. I've enjoyed my time at home. I, I mean, I, I miss playing music, but I've enjoyed being. I was I was joking about it earlier, but I I always thought that my marriage might suffer from overexposure. She's I've been gone so much and. <laughs> Maybe she put around her too much. She won't want me around anymore, but that hasn't been the case. So things are going good. That's good. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, we're going to let you go, my friend. Not but you wise, wanna... I didn't give you words of wisdom. I just rambled like a fool. <laughs> no, I mean, you're talking about chickens and bees. Those are the two things that I know I want to do. I think it's rad. <laughs> I got pretty good luck. You, yeah. You, you want to play us out before we sign out here? Sure. Um, before, before you do, let's let's just make a quick mention. We do have a couple more doing lives this week. With tomorrow is a string changing workshop at three p.m. same time with uh, Chad Kapodic here at Deering Banjo. So we're going to go through how to how to string your banjo and how to make it sound as good as it can be and get it set up. Uh, and then Thursday morning at the earlier time of eleven a.m. because she's currently abroad, Miss Ashley Campbell will be joining us. So we'll uh, we'll have her as well. Um, and then with anyone who wants to sign on and uh, join the festivities uh, in the virtual world of bluegrass, do so. Uh, I will throw a link in the description of this video today. Uh, you can sign on and uh, come hang out. All right. Eric, thank you so much. That was a real pleasure. That was great. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot, Eric. Thank you, folks, for listening. I'll, I'll try to fumble my way through something here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.